In Nefesh Chaim, we were discussing the point he so far explained to us about why Kaddish Baruch is called Mukayim Shalolam. Let's quickly revise what we saw in the previous two shirim. Firstly, the idea that a makam is something which enables things which are being held by it, so to speak, to be supported, to be maintained. If they didn't have a place which would hold them up, they would crash, they would break. And in that sense, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is being Mukayim, is giving life and uh, the ability to exist everything he created. We already saw, Nev Shechayim says, that that's not completely accurate because that would seem to indicate just like when it comes to a makam which is holding something up, that the makam is only acting in the capacity of something which is providing support or the ability to continue, whereas the item exists independently. And if that's the case, one would think that if that would be applied to how Hashem runs the world, that the world exists and is just being given life. It's just being maintained and continued by Hashem. And we know that that's not true. Without Hashem, not, not, things wouldn't die. They would cease to exist. But the first shot was that that's what we can relate to, that's what we can understand. And therefore, which means to that explanation of Hashem being the Makam, because it's something that human beings can identify with better, as we explained in the previous year, for a person to see himself as something which doesn't have existence, uh, isn't something that a person can live with and can be productive with. And therefore, there's a certain aspect of the way a person sees himself as something which exists, and Hashem needs to give him that. It's simple chart of Makam, which even if it's not accurate, at least isn't wrong, and therefore can be used to understand to understand how Kodesh Baruch Hu is maintaining the Bria. A deeper shot he said was that Hashem isn't affected by the world is created, just like a Makam. A place isn't affected by what's put on it. We gave the example of a table. One can put a Svarim on the table, he can put food on the table, and we can put Kadim on the table, and might be able to put a small animal on the table. The table doesn't get affected. It's providing a service, which means it's supporting whatever's placed on it, and it doesn't change as a result. And therefore, he said, a deeper Pshat in Makam is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving life to the world, but isn't affected by the world. And therefore, whether people use that life productively or the opposite, whether they develop Kedush or Tumah, it doesn't affect the life that Hashem is giving them, only affects themselves. And as a marshal, we gave a marshal of the sun, that even though the sun shines on half of the planet, and what people can do in the sunlight could be good, could be bad, could be tar, could be tome, it doesn't affect the sun. It's the rays which emanate from the sun, which, which provide light, and then people's choice how to use the tool that they have to be able to see in the light, whether positively or negatively. And if you understand that way, Hashem is the Makam, He's the source, and He gives life to every living thing. And the way that each living thing chooses to use its life, whether positively or negatively, doesn't affect Hashem as being the source. That's just a brief recap of what we've seen so far. And it's necessary because now the Nefesh Chaim is going to explore a much deeper, even Kabbalistic topic. And this isn't, even though very often the Nefesh Chaim does quote Kabbalah's Farim, but it's not really the, the main of the Sefer to explain Kabbalah. And therefore he himself is going to give a, so to speak, an apology almost of why he decided to delve into the topic. But before we do that, let's first see what Nevesh Chaim says. Because he's going to raise a, a question based on this idea of Hashem being the Makam. 
and it might seem to be a more superficial question, but as we're going to see when we explore it deeper, there's actually much more depth to the question, and that's where we're going to, so to speak, delve into a topic which is discussed by the Ariza. So we're holding, of that introduction, we're holding in the beginning of Ferek Gimel, of Shara Gimel, and he brings to of Akosov, Hashem says, I fill the heavens and the earth. And the Yasim before Hashem Mishnah Torah, there's a more clear passage in Dvarim. You should know, it should be established in your hearts. This is the principle of Yemunah. Ki Hashem hu aleikim. Bashamayim imal, b'loris mitachas. Hashem is the source of power. He's the only God. In the Shemayim, in the Aretz, ain't. There's nothing else. Another passage, You've seen that Hashem is the source of all power. He's the only God. Nothing else exists besides for Him. Now simply put, that would mean there's no other force besides for Him. In other words, nothing else can make a decision without Hashem wanting it to happen. No one can do anything. No one meaning no animal, no person, no angel, not even the Satan, can do anything without Hashem allowing them to do it. And therefore, there's no source of power, there's no ability to act without Hashem. That would be the simple chart of Rain of That the Nefshachayim is going to explain it on a high level. Rain of means, which means there isn't anything else. Not just there isn't any force, there isn't any other existence. In other words, simply put, nothing exists besides Hashem. Rain of is Parachlal, Bashum Bechlina. In the Kutta Pratish of Not in a spiritual world, not in a physical world. There's no element of existence without Hashem. Whether it's the upper worlds, the lower worlds, which means the more Rukhni worlds, the world of Tumah, and any creation Hashem created, they aren't something which exists separate to Hashem. The only thing which exists is Hashem. Nothing exists besides Him. Now, that's already the topic which we need to understand. What does it mean? We've said so far that a person doesn't deserve to continue existing without Hashem deciding at every second to continue his life. But now we're saying more than that. And that is, and this is a tremendous chedesh which needs to be understood, that Ayn means that there isn't any other existence besides for Hashem. So that's a much more difficult concept to be able to understand, to relate to. Because... If we look at ourselves as beings who exist, we live in a world which looks, like, look to, looks to us like it's existing. So maybe it doesn't deserve to continue existing. Maybe we don't see it like that, but in reality it's being recreated every second with the force, with the life, with the energy Hashem is continually sending to it. But He's sending life to something which, and He's then for that, even albeit for that second, but He's creating existence. Things exist. We exist. The world exists. The, the trees around us exist. We look up to the sky, it exists too. What, is, what does it mean to say that that there's nothing exists besides for Hashem? So before I explain this, he's going to bring us another rhyme for this idea. For Pneumius Omer Mzabit Varim there's the depth of a Midrash. Now, he only quotes the Midrash on the outside. I'll follow what the Midrash says. The Midrash says three people praised Hashem. The one was Yisrael. When Yisrael comes to meet the Jewish people after the story of Mitzrayim, and he's told by Moshe all the Nisim Hashem did for the Jewish people, so he says, I tell you, Dati, Ki God Hashem I now know Hashem is greater than any other God. 
Again, remember, Yisra was somebody who had explored religion. He was a priest of Avodah Zarah and had spent his life trying to find the true religion. So for him, this is an admission. Hashem is greater than any other God. The second person to pray to Hashem was Racha Vazayna. When the spies came to her, she told them how everybody in Eretz Canaan is terrified of the approach of Tal Yisrael because they all know that Hashem is fighting for them and he's, therefore they're going to be destroyed. So she says, I know Hashem is great, is, that Hashem is great in the Shemaim and the Aretz. And the third one is Moshe Shabbat, the Prophet we just mentioned. And that Chazal say, and this is the Midrash that Nefesh uh, is referring to here, that Moshe's praise was greater than the praise of Yisrael and of Rachav, because Yisrael limited his praise to Hashem is greater than any other God. Rachav limited her praise that Hashem is the force who runs the Shemaim and Aretz. And Moshe encompasses more than that. He says, Ki Hashem alaykim b'shemayim b'mal v'aretz mitachas ein oid. May ein oid afilu b'chalala shalala. Which means, besides for the forces in the world which we know about, be it the spiritual forces of Avodah Zarah, which Israel was well acquainted with, or even the Shemayim v'aretz, which is something which Rachel would know about, but even chalala shalala, which means even beyond that, there's nothing else in the universe. Ainoid means there isn't any other existence. Defined, undefined, discovered, not discovered, whatever we're going to say. But it's, uh, there isn't anything else besides Hashem. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu adds. But then again, so we see the same idea. If there's no existence besides Hashem, what does it mean? So he says, He says, This is also the deeper understanding and when Chazal said that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Makam of the Olam. What does he mean? Hainu, she'af kala makoymes she'murgashim lachush v'metzius. Even though they're places which we can be aware of, we can see them, we know about them. Ein ha-makoymes atzomim. They aren't something which really exists. And ahu yizbarach shmohu ha-makam shalkala makoymes. Really, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only Makam. She'metzida yizbarach nechshav mkuram gira en v'metzius kla. Because from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's point of view, they don't really exist. They aren't in existence. Just like before Hashem created the world, same thing now. Now what does that mean? The words we've read. So, maybe as a little bit of an introduction to the topic which is going to be explored, Let's start with first the apology, as I said, of Rukhaim Vilajna of why he's delving into this topic. And then once we've explained why Rukhaim Vilajna felt it important to explore the topic, then we can start to understand, so to speak, the concept he's trying to convey. And he says, therefore, we've said now a deeper chat in Makhaim Shalom. And that is not just that Akkadish Baruch sustains the world. Not that Hashem is the source of everything which lives in the world, but really Hashem is everything, and there isn't a world. How are we meant to, how are we meant to understand such an idea? We already said as a Hakdama, we began a discussion of this topic. The said this right at the beginning of Shargimel. When Chazal compare the words of to a coal, a burning coal. On the one hand, one can get warmed by them, but on the other hand, there's the instruction that Chazal give us, and that is, 
The words of the Mishnah Berkavos, be aware of the Gacheres that you don't get burnt. How will a person get burnt by the words of Chazal? And that is if he tries to explain it and delve into it more than he should. In areas where permission isn't given for a person to try and understand. And therefore, he's going to come up with the wrong interpretation. And it's going to affect the way a person understands Ruchni is the way a person relates to Hashem. And therefore, even if there's a concept which is true, there's a warning not to try and explain it, not to try and understand it, if a person is unable to do that, because the way they're going to understand the concept or relate it may be wrong, and then it's going to give them a wrong perspective on their Similarly, when you come to this topic of understanding uh, the concept of Enid Milvadoi, the understanding of what Chazal said was directed to somebody who's called the Chacham, who has a level of Bina on his own, that is able to relate to these concepts. And that is the Pnimius Ha'inyan, Bishiru Dalibu Levad. The Oymek, the depth of what's being said, Bishiru Dalibu, which means the way that a heart can try and measure it, in the, in the level that a person can try and connect to it. So then that's possible for a person to try and relate to, but only which means a person is not always living with that reality. It's something which instantaneously a person can focus on, think about. And the point of it is, when a person wants to daven, so this is going to increase the the oymek, the amount of purity and the depth of this connection during tefillah. And that's when it's mutter to try and talk about the concept which Chazal are trying to convey over here. But spending too much time being misbeyned in it, which means trying to live with this reality always, is a sakana atzam. It's a great danger. If your heart runs away, which means if a person wants to try and focus on and connect to this idea of Hashem being Mokoyim so, like we said, it's something which can give a certain chizuk, a certain level of uh, import, of understanding from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's perspective momentarily. But Shibla Makam, come back to the meaning of Makam, which he explained before, is something which people can relate to, and that is that Hashem gives life to the Bria, Hashem maintains the Bria, but the Bria is something which we relate to, something existing. And now, if this is the Pshat Nasefi Yetzirah, then we see an amazing thing. Because now we're saying this is something that even the Tanoim weren't meant to be misbeinen on too much. Even the, and that is that there was this reality of Hashem being Mukaymish Lailam, which he said before in the terms of Enid Milvadoi, nothing exists besides him. But it's something that we can think about, but not live with. Now why get into this topic? says really I wouldn't have spoken about this at all. We don't find the Rishonim discuss such a this topic. They he, they hide it in their writings. That understood that there's no there's no in trying to describe a, a level which most people can't live with and most people won't understand. And therefore even though they know it's true, they were miramis to it. They hinted to it, alluded to it 
they didn't explore it and explain it. They, like the Apostle says, and there is things of a spiritual nature which are above people's comprehension, it's better to hide rather than to explain it to people and then lead them to misunderstand. So why is the Nefesh HaChaim going to try and explain it to us? In their door, that was the right approach, that was the correct thing to do. But in the door, the Nefesh HaChaim is talking about, since it's been for a long time, they haven't known, these concepts haven't been taught, and like we saw, we said before, for good reason. But what that resulted in was, Everybody, therefore, decides that they're going to learn by themselves, and however they understand, that's what they're going to think it means. Which means it's opening up a topic which isn't being taught, and people are still aren't going to leave alone. Therefore, they're going to try and understand it without being taught it. And as a result of, look, the Chazal say, the Chaymer Amusag and the Kaitzer Amasik, which means as a result of the depth of the topic and the shallowness of the people trying to understand it, they're going to try and interpret it the way that they understand, which is wrong. It's not doing justice to what Chazal meant. And uh, the reason for this mistake is, if it would be taught at the Messiah, then would, at least the teacher would feel that he has to teach it in a way which conveys more of the true meaning of what's being taught. But if people don't have a teacher, they're trying to understand on their own, and their only frame of reference is what they can understand, then everyone's going to think in, 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 is limited by their own ignorance, and therefore people are going to misunderstand. And therefore people are going to think whatever they think, anyway he thinks that he can explain the concept and relate to it, that's what he's going to think is the truth, and he's going to try to see the world in such a perspective. And then again, it's not coming from a Messiah, it's not coming from being taught. It's coming from the ignorance of the person learning who doesn't know how to explain it. And therefore, that this has now become the domain of everybody. Whereas the deep secrets of Kabbalah and understanding the world in a spiritual sense used to be the province only of the greatest of the greats who were able to understand things in the abstract way and relate to concepts on the spiritual nature. But now it's become uh, something which is widespread even among people who aren't on that level of Ruchnias. And therefore, even people who are foolish, who don't have a grounding in Torah knowledge, are still want to think about spiritual topics. And they lay more, and how do they going to understand this topic? Again, the Chazal we just said previously, Einar Milvado means there's no existence besides Hashem. And how are they going to explain it? They're going to say, If there's nothing besides Hashem, that means everything we see. Is Hashem. So I look around and I see trees in the Hashem. And I look around and see people in the Hashem. And I look around and see rocks and mountains and whatever it's going to be in the Hashem. This isn't right, obviously. But this is the way that he's saying how people misunderstood what Chazal meant. When Chazal said that Enam al-Vadim is nothing exists besides Hashem, and people looked around and saw things which they see that looks like they do exist, therefore the way they had to, in their minds, try and resolve the contradiction... He said, well, that means everything is Hashem. And if that's the case, 
And therefore, it's really what I'm trying to explain. How can it be that everything we see in the world is Hashem? Until even people who don't know anything, children, who empty from any chachma and any depth, walk around with this concept of everything is Alakus, everything is Hashem, and that not only is it a mistake in the Munna, an understanding of Hashem, but it, uh, they cover the Hanagosm which means it causes mistakes in what they do. Because if a person uh, r- walks around thinking of everything around him as being spiritual, as being godly, so then he's going to relate to it as, as something which is Kaddish. And these same mistaken people aren't going to say that this is their misunderstanding, they're going to, they're going to say that's what Chazal meant. And they're going to say this is their Munna. Then I look around and I see a world which is everything is Hashem. Now, besides for obviously the difficulty in trying to understand that, uh, Hashem is something which is much greater than any physical thing. How do we relate to physical things as being Hashem? But there's a bigger problem too. Because in the world Hashem created, there's a makam for good and there's a makam for bad. And the things which are Kadosh, and there are things which are Tar, and the things which are Tameh. And if a person looks at everything as being Hashem, then it's not just a question of reconciling how do we explain things which are physical are really spiritual. It's a bigger problem. That is, how do we reconcile things which are bad, things which are evil, things which are impure as being spiritual? There are things which are bad. There are things which are tame. So how does that work together with the idea that these people thought that everything is rukhni, everything is divine? And therefore, Amateur person has to be extremely careful. And a person has to guard himself with an extra caution. Why? If a person is going to be taken up by this idea that everything in the world is Ruchnius, and it's going to cause him to act based on that, and it's not just going to be that he thinks about it, but now he's going to go around the world thinking that everything he's doing is Ruchni. It can destroy him in the Torah. What's wrong with thinking everything in the world is Ruchni? So besides for misunderstanding the concept of Hashem, that's one problem, which is a lack of understanding, but it brings to another point as well, and that is, if everything is Ruchni, then a person can connect to everything or can get elevated by everything because it's all Ruchni. So what about those things the Torah prescribes? What about those things the Torah forbids? And the Torah says, this is going to metame you. This is going to sully you. This is going to ruin you. How, that, how can those things be Ruchni at the same time is that, they, that the Torah is telling us that they're things which are bad for us? And here again, people who already had this misconception looked for all kinds of ways to try and, in their own minds, so to speak, explain away the contradiction. But the result was being that therefore, whatever chiluk they're going to give, it's going to limit the Isra of the Torah. And therefore people came with all kinds of rationalizations why doing things which the Torah forbade was really in some way relating to the spiritual essence of that thing. 
and that's going to destroy the Sarm of the Torah. And, more, and he gives one example. A person can fall into the trap of the Yetzer, which is trying to convince him to do things of Yetzer, by trying to explain that what he's doing is Ruchni. And for example, Even on a Yetzer, of thinking in a place which is unclean. And Bashat Nefesh, which means he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. Everywhere, how can there be a place which is forbidden to learn Torah? How can there be a place which is Ruchnius is not, not allowed there? If the whole world is godly and the whole world is divine, so then what, then the person would think that that's the case. I can Makadish every place. In any place, I can make it the place of Torah. And on the contrary, I'm releasing its latent spirituality. I'm connecting to the divine in it. And if a person thinks like that, then they're going to Bedafka. Look to learn Divrei in a place of Tumah because they feel that that's where they're elevating the Tumah. And once a person comes to that mistake, after starting with a point that everything is divine and everything can be used for Kedusha, the one that's going to land up is that he's going to be over this Isra of speaking Divrei in a Makam Metanach. How bad it is. It's not just Tamin Avera. The Gemara said a person who amazed looks to learn the Vatari in a Makam Matunaf, and a Khaikaramaba. Ahmad Itzlan, Kimashikasa, Kishabikal, Kidvarash and Baza, will come a Mahara Divatari Bumvaisam to Nafi. The Gemara says that if a person thinks that the Vatari in a place of death, in a place of filth, so that's considered Dvarash and Baza. That's considered degrading and disgracing the words of Hashem. And we made a Nishma Safi, the Haikra. What does the Pasuk say is the punishment for a person who is Dvarash and Baza? And therefore, whereas the person, based on his wrong Ashkafa, thinks he's saving the world, thinks he's elevating the world to a more Ruchni level by bringing Divrei Torah to a place of Tumah, in reality, he's doing exactly the opposite. He's degrading the Divrei Torah, and the Onish for that is extreme. He's high of And this is an Ashkafa's example of where this is kind of mistake can lead to. In other words, as opposed to a person seeing that the Torah's parameters of places of Kedusha, places of Tumah, Kedusha is meant to be connected to, Tumah is meant to be avoided. If a person is going to start and say, no, everything is Kaddish, everything is Ruchni. And if that's the case, everything is meant to be used in in the service of Hashem. Definitely every place is meant to be used as a place to learn Torah. The result's going to be, he's going to have himself first. And this is just an example of Nefesh Chaim explaining why it's so important not to misunderstand topics of Chazal because what there is mistakes is going to cause a person to make. And now Nefesh Chaim completes what he began with, why he's explaining to us, apologizing to us, why he's going to go into a topic which is, a, like we said before, a deep topic, a topic which needs to be understood properly. And that is, it's coming to Lafoke, it's coming to to fix the misconception people had and to warn people not to make this mistake uh, with the consequences it can have and to understand correctly what Chazal were trying to say and uh, like he said that a number of times Chazal when they speak about deep topics they speak in a way which is only understood by people who are able to understand it 
people who are not able to understand them are going to misinterpret them, and that's going to be disastrous. And that's why I said, Be careful of the of the call, the burning call, the words of Fazal, because if a person doesn't understand it right, he'll understand it wrong, and it will mix him up and bring him to make mistakes. Hello? Me? No, the toilet. And if the Pazak says, which means the ways of Hashem are Yashar, are correct, but a Tzadik who understands and to go with him properly, he'll be able to go and understand and gain from it. That same derech is something which will cause the Poshim to make mistakes. And therefore, even though it wasn't spoken about in previous days, he said, now that I see the Poshim Mikashlebom, now that I see the mistakes which is being made by misunderstanding these topics, we have the Ace Lassus, which is referring to the Pasuk, the Pasuk is Ace Lassus Lashem. That in a time when a person feels it's incumbent upon him to do, to protect for Shemaim, so then he's going to have to reveal parts of the Torah, so to speak, which otherwise were meant to have remained hidden. So that's the Hakdama to this concept, which Brother Shem will see in the next year. There's just one more important point I want to add in conclusion, and that is the topic we're going to explore is a very deep topic. It's something which the Arizal addresses in a number of Isfarim. It needs someone of the stature of the Arizal to give us the framework to understand it. But what the Arizal means is the topic of a big Muslaikas between the Nefesh Shachayim and the Baratani. And obviously Nefesh Shachayim is going to present his understanding, his explanation in the upcoming Prokim. Maybe the deepest Prokim in the Sefer. The Baratani doesn't agree with these principles. He explains it differently. What's important to note is that what Nefesh Chaim was speaking about, the masses who misunderstood, that's something else. That wasn't the Machlokes in the depth of the Sugya. That was the basic misunderstanding of the concept. And therefore, Nefesh Chaim and the Baratani would both agree that that mindset was wrong. The question is how to explore a very deep topic. And this, rather than from the next year, we'll start looking at the Nefesh Chaim's explanation of what the concept of Ein Levada really means.